Hello and welcome to a new episode of Unfiltered the Podcast, where we go behind the decks with some of the biggest and brightest names in the dance music industry. This week, we are super excited to welcome prolific EDM producer, DJ and remix artist, Ryan Ryback. Originally hailing from Johannesburg, South Africa, Ryan learned his trade while still a teenager, teaching himself to DJ and produce. He then came up through the local South African club scene first as a DJ and then began experimenting with his own original tracks. After relocating to Melbourne, Australia in 2006, Ryan began to establish himself as a legend of the local Melbourne scene and over the coming decade would earn recognition globally for both his own tracks and epic remixes with his global hit Call On Me becoming one of the biggest dance records in history with over 734 million streams on Spotify. When he's not DJing or dominating in the studio, you can catch him searching far and wide for the best memes on the internet as a self-professed meme hunter. <laughs> Would you please welcome to the show, Ryan Ryback. Yo, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Thank you. No worries, mate. <laughs> Great welcome. intro. Thank you. No worries. Hope you're okay with that one. We found a couple of uh, gold gems in there. <laughs> awesome. No, I'm very happy. Thank you. All good. So I guess, yeah, how, how have you been doing? What's been happening? Mate, not a whole lot since the world shut down. Um, bit of music here and there, but uh, sort of just uh, trying to keep my head above water, having a two-year-old running around the house permanently. So that's been taking up a bit of energy and time. How's life been having a, a two-year-old? Obviously must have changed everything for you. It has, yeah. I mean, I was pretty busy with the music stuff, you know, and then obviously the industry started slowing down and then I started focusing on some original releases, um, you know, and just doing a lot more remixes in my downtime as well. But then uh, Corona sort of hit and the touring side stopped and I think everyone sort of just slowed down. So it's been a good chance to just take a step back and just like, you know, assess life and take stock of what's important. I guess, it, you know, it depends how you look at life at the moment. You can either say I've lost everything or you've got a yeah. chance to gain something new that you wouldn't have had. And I choose yeah, to look 100%. at it the, um, from the gaining perspective. That's unbelievable. I guess it's, yeah, it's a good way to, to take it. It's a good insight to, to have in these, in these challenging times. Um, but I guess with obviously everything that's happened with COVID as a professional producer and DJ, how have you been impacted? Obviously you mentioned the touring's kind of stopped. Uh, but how, how's your life, other than having a, a two-year-old, how's your how's your life changed? Um, from a production aspect, not too much. Like, I've always been able to work remotely. I sort of set myself up for that. You know, just I work on a laptop, and so that's my studio. Um, yeah, people send me files and, you know, exchange stuff online. I mean, you miss that human connection when you're in writing sessions. So, I mean, I was yeah. tra traveling a bit for that. Uh, last year and a little bit no yeah more last year not this year has it been mentally challenging because i guess we don't know you know what's going to be around the corner in terms of you know touring and everything like that you know have you found it hard to kind of yeah i'm sort of at peace with the way the world is at the moment you know i i don't know where it's going to take us and i can't begin to imagine where it's going to take us i'm lucky that you know i'm sustaining myself you know financially in other ways and so i don't really have that financial pressure that I, I guess a lot of other people have yeah yeah awesome so i guess we'll, we'll touch a bit more um on what you what your life's kind of like outside of music a bit later on cool. um, but i guess just some other things you've been doing during covid we, we did do a bit of a stalk of your instagram we have to admit <laughs> uh, and we Actually. saw that you 
you got roped into uh, building a shed with your dad. What happened there? <laughs> um, I'm, I can't remember at what stage of lockdown and not lockdown that was, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, come over for a cup of tea. And next thing you know, I'm building a shed. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I guess he was the one drinking tea and you were the one building a shed? Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Well played. Well played. <laughs> also, we've noticed from stalking is uh, you're a meme hunter. Uh, yes. Tell us about. As we this. kind of spoke about in the intro. <laughs> what yes. makes a good meme, Ryan? <laughs> oh man, it's like borderline inappropriate. Rarely gets me going. Like I love those those memes that you know that might offend some people. Unfortunately, you know, like you're gonna offend someone somewhere along the way. But uh, yeah. I look for the music-related ones. Those seem to get a lot of like good hits, and uh, people tend to respond. And it's not offensive to anyone except maybe uh, the Backstreet Boys or Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> how did you how did you come about like getting into memes or loving memes so much? Like, when did it all start? What is it that you love about it? To be honest, like the meme side of um, social media is that's pretty much how I use social media. So like, I'm naturally gravitating towards memes and looking at memes so i thought hey, you know what why don't i just share these i don't love i don't love being in the spotlight as a person per se so like i'm like you know i don't have that much to share like of my personal life but you know what i like this meme so here you go here's a meme that's awesome and do you create any of your own memes i have done a couple yeah along the way like when i have the inspiration and the time but uh no generally i just like to hunt other people's memes <laughs> Um, so you've, uh, you grew up in South Africa. Um, tell us what that was like. It, it was, um, it was a good experience overall. I can't complain. You know, like I had a really good upbringing. Family life was good. Um, music side was good, I guess. Yeah. I was like still pretty young, like still trying to figure out my way. Um, life wasn't too bad from my perspective as, you know, like a white, um, South African at that stage when apartheid was still, going i guess um and then it sort of ended when we were exploring to come to australia yeah and and why did your family choose to come to australia um i think it was just one of those places that had like i think my dad actually had a good opportunity here work-wise and visa-wise so that was one of the places they explored yeah so to cut a long story short the whole family moved here when I was 16, maybe, no, 13, 13, stayed here till I was 16, then moved back to South Africa. And then I came back on my own around 2006. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I guess, as we said, you moved to Australia in 2006 and I mean, I don't know, we were probably, it's around about the time where we were all starting to get into the club scene and, and into dance music. And it looks like you quickly became a legend of the Melbourne club scene. How did that come about? Like, where did it all begin for you? Where did music all begin for you? I don't know about a legend, but um, I will take it anyway. <laughs> um, when I, I'd been on this musical pursuit, like, in South Africa and when I moved to the UK and then obviously, like, deciding to move back to Australia on my own in 2006, I was, like, really trying to get my foot in the door and I was hitting up people on MySpace when it was still a thing. You can ask uh, my good friend Shawnee B about that. He loves that story. Oh, yep. Shawnee B. I was was hitting him up on MySpace uh, before um, I came to Australia and I came to us and I was just like really trying to get in and I ended up walking into Vinyl Pusher Records in Paran 
And I started talking to them and I'm like, hey, I'm a producer. This is what I do. And yada, yada. Let me buy some records. And I started doing some remixes for them just on spec. And oh, wow. from, from one of those remixes was uh, Nick Coleman's Faces of Meth. Yes, and that one got one a lot I of noticed. yeah. So that one got a lot of attention, obviously, because Faces of Meth was such a great track in its own right. And then Nick and I became really good friends. And Nick said to me, he was like, "Hey man, I'm you know opening up the bottom level of two floors up TFU. Do you want to come and do the night with me?" And I was like, "Sure." And sort of that's how wow. my career within Melbourne sort of flourished. So from that's production crazy. into DJing, and then. Awesome. So. And I guess what happened when you were in SA? Did you like, I think we, we noted you maybe started your DJing career when you were there. How did that kind of work out? And what was the scene like over in South Africa? Oh, the scene was awesome in South Africa. A lot of really cool underground music. I had a couple of cool residencies at some cool clubs. And that just sort of like really got me into the DJing side of things. Um, also, still while working on the production stuff um, on the side. It was, yeah, just a really good scene there in South Africa. Amazing. Yeah, we. I went to South Africa a few years ago and like their clubbing scene is so much fun. Every Everyone yeah. seems to be a lot more loose there. I'm not sure why. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know. I think everyone's a bit more carefree, you know, just, uh, yeah. just wants to chill, chill and have a good time. It's the tequila. It's the tequila in South Africa. Yeah. It gets, gets everyone Too. going. <laughs> it's, that, it's that unregulated stuff. They drink tequila there like we do vodka. It's crazy. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so I saw, I saw. I was actually watching a video of you um, playing in Melbourne at Breakout Festival. Gavin, uh, we yes. were probably there. I'm sure we were. They looked most amazing. likely. <laughs> Can you just describe, I guess, the feeling of, of playing in front of those sorts of crowds? Yeah, that that one was um, one of the big ones for me. That was a, a good highlight. Um, the feeling you get, it's when you've just when you've been DJing for a while, you sort of just get used to coming out to a crowd. Yeah. But when you just got like, you know, like 5,000, I can't remember, five to 8,000 people just like screaming at you, like on that massive dance floor or stage, I should say. Yeah, the feeling's amazing. Like, I don't know, just the energy you get from the crowd when you play the songs and they know the songs and they love the songs and it's just, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's a great feeling. So would you say that Ryan Ryback is happiest behind the decks or in the studio? Oh, that's a tough one. I'd probably say I've shifted more to being in the studio yeah as i've got on like i still love the decks and i've like toured a bit you know in europe with the call on me when that was all happening um yeah the travel i don't love the travel <laughs> and that's i think that's a big part of being a dj these days so if i if i could avoid the travel i'd probably like go out and do it a lot more is it is it legitimately like the the aeroplanes and and all that or is it like just you know living out of a suitcase and it's both it's both yeah Yeah. the airplanes and the airports suck and you don't really get to experience the the cities or the countries that you're in because you're in for such a short period it's just on and off Yeah. yeah i mean the parties are awesome don't get me wrong like the actual parties and the music and the vibe of the people awesome great but yeah, just the travel. Travel sucks. Because I guess it's interesting. Yeah. People would normally think that that's the sexy part of the DJ life. Um, no, but I guess no, it's no. yeah. I mean, well, it, that's what it, on from looking in, looking sorry, outwards looking in. But I guess from a, from an insider, it would be interesting to know. I guess what the how taxing it is. Um, and I guess yeah, people just assume you get to travel around, and see all different countries, 
but it's not like that, is it? No, there's quite a bit of jet lag, quite a bit of hangovers, quite a bit of like no sleep and you don't know where you are and just, yeah, not not, <laughs> not fun to be in a confined space like, you know, two kilometers in, up in the sky yeah. when that's happening. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Ryan. I'm scared of flying, so I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, so and all that other stuff and it's awesome. Yeah, awesome. So I guess on the topic of gigs, do you remember your very first gig, like where and when it was and how it came about? Oh, my first gig may have been a dj competition in south africa awesome and um i just remember seeing it like a flyer or something at one of the record stores that i was buying records at and i decided to enter i think that was my first time playing in front of people wow Wow. So you've gone yeah. from the, the bedroom DJ to finally out in the crowd and then you figure yeah. out if you, if you got it or not. <laughs> exactly. It was this whole competition and I didn't win the competition. But from there, this is also actually a crazy goal. There were just these two random guys and I thought they were part of this club. And they said to me, hey, man, you should be playing at Stonewaters. It is a sick club and your music would rock there. And I just I was like, oh, OK, cool. So I went on my exploratory mission to find this club called Stonewater. Yeah. I think I was like just legal enough to get into a club at this stage. And I went to this club and I'm looking for these guys and I never saw their faces ever again. But I was hanging out at the club so much that I became friends with like the DJs. And then the one night, the one DJ had to run off to another gig and he said, hey man, do you want to like play for the last half an hour? And I'm like, I'm ready. Let's yeah. do this. <laughs> I got this. So I <laughs> ran to the car, got my records and I ran back and that was my first official gig if you want to call it that, which led to a residency. So yeah, I'm grateful. I think that's good because you know, the less time you have to think about something, the less nervous you are. So yeah. it's good to just rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, um, no, have there been good. any um, gig highlights for you? Like what's been, you know, the top, top gigs that you yeah, uh, want to share? Most memorable. Yeah, most memorable. This outdoor open air sort of music party in Malta. I played at um that was um, amazing just the scenery and the people and the music and it was like right at the peak when call on me was like doing really well around the world yeah so just the energy of that and people's attitudes towards that that was that was really special for me that sounds that amazing a wow. that's really cool any any other ones that you can kind of pick out you played at any of like the big name festivals or is it more like the the lesser known lesser known festivals that you prefer I, well, I haven't played at like an ultra festival yet, you know, or if it happens, if anyone's listening, I'm, yes, I'm free to play, but, um, don't know how, I don't know how you haven't yet, but I reckon you'll be on there pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I've sort of changed my musical directions as a DJ a bit. So I was playing a bit more tropical house for these bigger crowds. And I found that sound wasn't really working, even though the tracks were all pop hits the energy wasn't there as opposed to playing house music. So I've actually come back to playing more house music in my sets and exploring that direction. So we'll see that where that takes me. So in terms of the, the career progression of, of uh, music styles, um, you obviously started with more EDM, big room, and, and now the melodic and contagious mid-tempo pop. Was that a natural progression for you or do you think it was just more of a sign of the times? And then now, obviously, as you mentioned, moving more towards the house thing. So how have you kind of seen that flow over your career? I guess as an artist, you're just attracted to certain things at different times and different energies. And I was always heavily influenced by the music I wanted to make is what I wanted to play and, and vice versa. So when I was playing in the clubs a lot and EDM was very prolific, I started making a lot of EDM. 
Um, yeah. I, I got over that sound a bit because at the time I was starting to listen to a lot more Spotify. Guys like Kygo and DJ Snake and Major Lazer were all doing that mid-tempo pop stuff. And I was like, this is sick, but you can't play it anywhere. Mm. So as a DJ, I sort of slowed down and then I focused more on the production and yeah just started doing that and then i found yeah i was getting a bit bored of the mid-tempo stuff so let's speed it up again <laughs> and ha- house seems to be doing all right on the pop landscape at the moment yeah, yeah awesome. house is doing well and i guess it's it's great that you could kind of just like adjust your style and your tempo based on whatever you're feeling and i guess going with the trends of the industry well yeah it's just i guess i just do what i feel when i feel it and i'm, I'm lucky that i've been able to do that like even as a remixer like i find i'll get projects across all different um, tempos and then I just I'm lucky I can just do what I feel and then play what I feel I guess as well like I'm not afraid to chuck in like a down tempo track in the middle of you know a house set like I feel that's also a great energy reset play with everyone's emotions (laughs) so I guess you're you're pretty well known for being one of the most industrious producers in the industry from what I could see you got hundreds and hundreds of tracks and probably a lot more in the archive that we don't even know about um, so I guess in your early career, you started off with remixes for the likes of, I guess, Zoe Badwi, Global DJs, moving on to yes. bigger names like Chucky, Nari Milani, um, and then remixes of tracks like Reload, Fade Into Darkness, and then even doing a remix for Daft Punk um, on the Tron Legacy remixed album. I guess, talk to us about your, your remixes and how it came about that you get to do, um, I guess, remixes for them, these massive names and artists and what that's been like. So, yeah, interesting. Like, some of those were unofficial remixes and, like, yeah. were a remix competition. But a lot of those, I was pretty much just hustling. I was talking to all the local Aussie labels and I was saying, hey, I'm Ryan Ryback, this is what I do. Let me do a remix. And they were like, yep, cool. And just got a lot of opportunities from that. And then I was touring a bit uh, from that playing around Australia and New Zealand. And then I sort of took the same approach um, when I was around about the call on me time. I was like exploring this new tropical house style and I just hit up all my label mates and contacts and I said, hey guys, you know, this is what I'm doing. You know, let me let me try some remixes. So for me, I think the remixes have sort of like given me a platform to um, show this creativity and for it to be released to market fairly quickly rather than having an original record that you spend a lot of time on and then it has a long release date and then it just takes people forever to like sort of get into it whereas remixes you can just go bang 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 and it's just in people's faces quickly and often and that's that's worked for me as a strategy that's great so i guess getting onto the big one we've touched on it a couple of times this interview but call on me over 734 million streams on spotify triple platinum in australia platinum in the us how did this song come about and what was it like, I guess, with this song taking you to what seems to be superstardom? Um, so this was honestly just another remix in the pile, like I discussed previously when I was exploring the tropical house stuff. And I hit up Archie from Central Station. I think I'd I think I'd done a remix for the Yolanda B. Cool Boys, yeah. So I did a remix for them via Central Station and Sweat It Out. And that was going okay. And that sound led Archie from Central to say, hey, mate, I've got this girl, Starly. You know, we've signed her to our label. Do you want to do a remix? And I was like, yeah, cool. Just send me the parts. And I didn't know anything about her, anything about the song. I just sat down and I opened the parts and I was like, what do I think is missing and what am I feeling? And I sort of just 
took you know, the parts from her song that I liked and I added my sound and style that I was sort of pushing at the moment. And that's the result you hear. Unbelievable. And sort of from, I honestly, like I was just, I didn't even know anything was going to happen with that song. Like yeah. <laughs> wow. it just went nuts. Like to the point I was in LA just like having meetings and meeting people. And one of the meetings I had was with um, Starley's manager at the time, Melissa, who is now my manager. But uh, I didn't have any intention of her becoming my manager at that stage. I was like, hey, what's up? I'm coming to LA. Let's have a chat. And I was having yeah. a chat and I was working with some other artists and writers that she's worked with. And I get a phone call from her and she's like, yo, dude, your remix for Starly is blowing up. It's on like, like pop hits or like something on Spotify. I think it was today's top hits. And I was like, what? What's going on? <laughs> and like, I couldn't see any of this. So there was a bit of a back end error. The, oh, no. The Australian version that I could see on Spotify was, wasn't linked to the American version that, that was online that was like blowing up. I mean, they corrected that since, but I yeah. couldn't see these numbers. And then like when they eventually fixed it, it wasn't like millions of plays. We're getting like a million, two million plays a day. And I was like, what <laughs> oh is going God. on? This is crazy. <laughs> nuts, nuts. It's such a great track. Did it take a while for, for the idea to come to you? Like when you heard obviously the, the vocals and everything, or, or was it just as soon as you listened to it straight away? Yep, this is exactly what I want to do with the track. I sort of... I sort of just get into like a state of flow when I start a remix. Like I'll just tinker around and get some sounds that I'm like using at the moment and just bring those into the project, play, play around. I think piano was a big one for me at that stage, still is, like I love pianos. Um, and I just, I sort of, no, it didn't actually take me too long now that I think about it. It was maybe three or four days, maybe three or four hour sessions in total like over like three or four days and yeah, yeah just that, that's that's just how it works sometimes i just work yeah. hardcore three hours and then i have to step back and i'm like then i listen to it the next day with fresh ears and i'm like okay what does it need what's missing what's bugging yeah. me that's my process so three-day turnaround wow amazing um i also saw that starly invited you onto the stage uh, at the katie perry concert in melbourne I guess that must have been pretty special to have a, a live acknowledgement in front of about, what, 15,000 yeah, people? Yeah, that, that, that was pretty cool. That was a great moment. And uh, I thank Starly for doing that for me. It really, really, you know, like tagged, tugged at the heartstrings a little bit. <laughs> yeah, unreal. The photo was unreal yeah, as well. Yeah, it was awesome. So I guess going on from there, obviously things would have exploded for you. Um, more remixes coming out for the likes of you said some of the artists you mentioned, Kygo, Don Diablo. Um, and I have to admit, I'm a big trans fan myself. So okay. I've noticed you got an, a, a remix for Armin Van Buren on his Balance remix album. Um, yes. How did that, that is massive. How did that come about? Um, I think, you know, obviously since the success of Starly, Starly remix, um, a lot of opportunities came. Obviously, um, Alyssa and um, David Gray, my other manager, came on board and helped me with my project. And they just had all these connections that were untapped. And they just, I think they were just like doing their networking and hustling. And the guys at Armada said, hey, are we doing like a remix album for Armin? You know, do you want to, or sorry, not for Armin, just we're doing a remix album for Armada. Yeah. Do you want to remix this Armin song? And I was like, yeah, cool. It's a great song. Unbelievable. And then at what point did you find out that it was going to be in his um his balanced remix album? Or is that this is that the same album that you're referring to? I actually don't know if it's the same album. I'm not right. too sure. Yeah. I thought it was another album, but Yeah. 
Here we are. Enough. Yeah, because he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's so Balance was his, his latest um, his latest album. It's like a couple of years in the works, and then he released like a remix version, and your track was actually on that official remix version. Wow. Um, okay. No, I, is, I, don't, I don't think I knew that, so thanks. Thank you. It, well, there you go. So from a trans fan, <laughs> you you've, made, you've now made a name for yourself in the trans industry as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan, um, in many of your tracks, you collaborate with some great vocalists. I, I wanted to know how that comes to fruition. So do you go yourself and find those vocalists or do the labels come to you with suggestions? It's a bit of a mix. Um, depending on the caliber of label you work with or artists that you're working with, a lot of the writing sessions I had were with really talented songwriters and singers already. So a lot of these people, I was like, man, the demo version is dope. Why, why would we change it? So like a lot of those singers, I tend to gravitate towards. And then also I get sent a lot of songs that like say other people have written in writing sessions. So I'll get those yep. songs and then I'll do my production on those. And um, yeah, like a lot of the times the demos I get sent just have great voices. So I don't have I don't yeah. have to go searching for great vocalists. I'm lucky that these songwriters are amazing singers anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, having said that, if Katy Perry said I want to jump on the record, I'd be like, yeah, cool, no worries. Yeah, it's okay, Katy, come on. <laughs> yeah, come on down. <laughs> We've seen a new track come out recently, uh, Wrong. Uh, which to me is another absolute massive hit, um, similar to the likes of to the call on me. Um, so, do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Well, I think you had a collaboration with Olivia. Yes, Noel, Olivia Noel. Yeah, Olivia Noel. Yeah, tell us a bit about that. And we saw you um, did a video clip in LA for that one as we well. We did. That was cool. So, yeah, that wrong is my latest single. That one's come out with Olivia, like you said. Um, I think the writing session was with John and Olivia, John Hume. Uh, he's done some work with um, some big people. You should uh, check him out if you don't know who he is. Uh, so him and awesome. Olivia had the idea for the vocal. And then they were asking me for like the production stuff. And, you know, like we were sending ideas backwards and forwards. And, you know, I just did my spin. Like, again, Olivia's voice was great. You know, we, it was, I don't know if it was meant to be a song for her or a song for someone else. But, you know, we ended up picking her voice and keeping it on the record and it's it's just yeah one of those things that's just come together and now you hear the end product and everyone's happy unbelievable yeah well no doubt it's gonna be another huge hit and what we're gonna definitely share that on all of our socials after this interview for all the listeners if they haven't heard it yet they can definitely uh catch it there thank you appreciate that i've had it on replay i absolutely love it <laughs> also ryan you've worked with some big big labels so spinning records and and ultra records just to name a few um, what's it like working with them and, and are you able to have, I guess, some creative reign over the tracks or kind of do, do they box you in a little? Or So for the longest time, I think when I was doing the EDM stuff before the Tropical House stuff, like just like a goal or a dream was to like work with Ultra or work with Spinning and you try your damn hardest to like knock on every door and get every email yeah. address <laughs> and you get nothing. You get Bupka's back. And... <laughs> Pretty much after the success of Call On Me, all these people started knocking on our door. So it was like, hey, you want to do this? You want to do that? And you're like, now I've formed like great relationships with all these guys. Like the guys at Spin and I can email them now about like some other random project and they always respond, yeah, you awesome. know. Amazing. So I guess maybe it was just a timing thing. Yeah, for you know? sure. 
And are you, do you have your own record label? I, I sort of read something. You did. Um, I think when I was first starting to release originals after Call On Me, we thought it might be a good idea to go with them. A publisher or distributor and release them ourselves and then license it to other labels yeah for sure. so yeah i do have a label it's not an active label and we're not really pushing any other artists but that's not to say we never will yes so, so it's called rbck records correct yeah yeah, yeah. i want uh, if you can guess where the name comes from <laughs> you get 10 points very very creative <laughs> yeah exactly so with that said you've got so many amazing releases as, as we've spoken about and I think I've played, there's about three that I've played at least a hundred times in, in some of my DJ sets. So there's Call On Me, Don't Want to Know, and One Last Time, uh, absolute dancehall fillers. Um, are there any that stick out for you or any personal favorites or any that you feel super proud to really have them out in the world? Hmm. That is a tricky question. Tough one. It's like probably choosing wow. between your own children. Put, 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 yeah, yeah <laughs> put you on the spot. Yeah. Exactly, it's choosing between <laughs> your own kids. But I really love the remix I did for Kygo. I just love that sort of style. That one, yeah, like creatively, I, I like really loved. And also, he was such a like an inspiration, or is such an inspiration to me. So to do a remix for him was like an honor. Um, another one that stands out. Is maybe my remix for the Potbellies. Yeah. So oh, wow. It was the the horny one. Yeah. They did they did, they did a remake of Horny and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Creatively, I really like that one. I thought it could do something, um, you know, special. But it didn't go ne- nearly as big as uh, Call on Me. It was around about the same time. Um, so I guess just moving on a bit to life outside of music, what do you, I think you mentioned, you've got some other things you're working on. What, what do you do with yourself um, normally outside of what does Ryan Ryback's life look like outside of DJing and producing? Right. So at the moment, life is non-existent. You know, Correct. You know, like I yep. think everyone's <laughs> life is non-existent. So pretty much just trying to figure out how to entertain a two-year-old now that childcare is closed. <laughs> and, you know, but I think I, I love going for walks. I love nature. That's sort of something that keeps me sane so i'm lucky we're still allowed to go out for an hour a day you know and um, get some fresh air so i take that at every opportunity to do that um a big gamer i like games yeah i was gonna ask if you had any other hobbies so yeah ps4 ps4 um i've been jamming fortnite uh call of duty um you know all the all the standards we can uh, um, get you online with Karina's husband. He, uh, oh, yeah. Call of Duty. No, I, I can't stand it. <laughs> no, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, I'll, I'll have to hook you guys up with the, I don't even know what you have to share details about the. I'll the just, we'll do, we'll do usernames after this. We'll exchange. Yeah, usernames. Sure, sure. But um, <laughs> other than that, just like a bit of Netflix, chilling, cooking, I like cooking, you know. Awesome. What do you like to cook? Anything, oh, anything ev- special? Everything. Everything like slow cooked um, pork oh, ribs. Nice. Don't tell my mom. Yep. Um, but, uh, well, this is going to be out there in the public now, so you've just told her. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, hi, Ma. <laughs> um, now we're like cooking a lot of Asian food, Italian food. Went on a bit of a vegan, vegetarian exploration for a bit, but I've sort of come back to meat, which has been fun and tasty. Yeah. 100%. Definitely. Yeah. 
Um, I guess, yeah, being so busy, whether it's when you're on tour or in the studio um, during non-COVID times, do you have any troubles balancing, I guess, your professional life with your personal life? Um, not really. I guess the flexibility that a music life and a producer's life allows you to sort of catch up with people when you're in town, I guess, you know, you're able to just say, hey, mate, what's up? Let's catch up for a coffee when you can. But uh, if you're touring, then obviously not so much. Yeah. But yeah, when I'm in studio, like it's a lot more flexible. And Ryan, how do you deal with the challenges of, of being a professional DJ and producer? I mean, I think mental health is a huge, huge thing. And um, I know that there are a lot of people out there, regardless of what they do, they struggle with with all of you know the stresses and anxieties of life. But to be a, you know in the limelight, I guess, how do you, how do you deal with that? And, and do you have any advice for other DJs that may be experiencing issues or? Yeah, totally. You know, like I get that the lifestyle isn't for everyone. And most certainly at, at, at a few times it hasn't been for me. Um, the, the stress of the travel, I think that gets to people a lot. Being alone, even though you're like seeing thousands of people and meeting all these people, you're still sort of alone. Yeah. You don't really have like your close-knit group of people yeah. or your, you know, just, just your, your people. Yeah. You don't have your people all the time. So, yeah, I guess being more as a producer and at home, I enjoy that side more. Um, advice, um, yeah, just get some fresh air. Don't get caught in your head. It's, I guess it's it's a mental challenge, you know. I'm lucky that I don't tend to dwell on the past too much and don't, you know, get anxious about the future. So I'm lucky that I sort of stay centered most of the time naturally. So that's lucky for me, I guess. But I have had my my issues, you know, and my, my troubles along the way. So not everyone is um, invulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Invulnerable. Most of it. I don't know what the word is. We'll, we'll roll with all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess just talking about a little bit about the industry. So how do you, how do you kind of see the Australian dance music scene at the moment uh, in terms of like its health and some of the trends um, and some of the artists that are coming through? Uh, and how do you kind of see the Australian scene on a global stage? And then obviously, especially with the impact of COVID as well. Um, how do you kind of see the dance music scene recovering? Yeah, it's um, it's a tough one, man. I think entertainment, uh, you know, obviously or has already been hit really hard. I yeah. think it's going to take a while to bounce back. Australian dance music scene, there's a lot of cool pockets. I think the main one that I can see at the moment is the house scene. Like the underground house scene has sort of bubbled to the forefront again. It was EDM and Melbourne Bounce for the longest time. And I think now that's sort of um, gone into the more underground house and tech house scene. And I feel that's gl pretty much globally as well. So I think natural for Australia to follow suit, even though Australia has its own flavor within those um, domains. Like you, you guys like Dom Dollar and Sonny Federa, like great producers and artists. Um, I, I think they're killing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dom Dollar's blown up, hey? He's just... He's, he's so good, such a good dude, such a good style. And are there any other artists and, and DJs that, you know, you've got your eye on that are kind of coming up through the through the scene? Um, that's, a, that's a tricky one. Um, I'm not really following other producers too much. I guess when I'm focused on my own stuff, I sort of just, you know, focus on what I can do and stay in my lane and just, you know, deal with all the politics and all the drama that's yeah. happening, like around my releases and my labels. 
yeah, there's enough going on, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. So I guess with that being said, what do you have um, planned for the future? What's in the pipeline? Do you have any other big releases coming out or anything in the next few months that we need to look out for? Yeah, um, no releases, origin sorry, no original releases planned um, any just soon. I am finishing up a couple of ideas and we are going backwards and forwards between the label, just trying to nut those out and pick the right direction and the right uh, release for the next release. So just getting all those things together for the originals. Remix-wise, I've got a couple of releases lined up. Awesome. Um, I think I had another remix drop on Friday last week for the Saint Nomad guys. Yes, I saw yeah. that. Yeah. So Huge. just yeah, a few a few more remixes definitely coming in. You can definitely keep your ears and eyes peeled for for those. Awesome, fantastic. No, no specific release dates just yet. No, we look forward to it. We'll definitely share them once they all come come through. Um, and I guess looking to maybe a bit more of the longer term future. Do you kind of have any plans set out for yourself? Do you do career planning, or do you have a, any thoughts about where you want to get to, or you kind of just take every day as it comes and just see what happens? Yeah. Every day as it comes. I guess my, my goal is to, or has been, just to have a, a career in music. And I'm sort of living that, so I'm lucky. Awesome. That's great. Living the dream. That's it. This is a very hard uh, question to answer right. because I don't think I could answer it, but we're going to give it a crack. If you had your time again, would there be anything you'd change? I don't. You know what? It's like I, you can look at it like this. It's, you can either say I should have changed that and maybe this would have happened. Yeah. But if you didn't do it, would you have learned what you learned? Yeah. And would you be where you are now? It's kind of like everything so, happens for a reason. Correct. So the one thing that comes to mind is maybe if I was playing more house music when I was touring Europe, maybe I'd still be touring a bit more that side of the pond. Right. Maybe. Yeah. But would I have figured out how to play down tempo pop music? Maybe not. Who knows? There you go. It all works out the way it's meant to. That's that's it. a great that's a great answer, Ryan. Thank, Thank you. you. So I guess we've kind of touched on this a little before, but do you have any advice for any I guess budding DJs or producers out there that want to be the next Ryan Ryback or want to produce the next Call on Me? I guess don't try to be anyone else. Be inspired by everyone else, but do what's true to you. Make what you like. If someone tells you they don't like it, it doesn't really matter. They don't have to. Eventually, the people who will like it will find it. And if you make enough noise, the right people will come knocking. I guess that's my advice. Awesome. Unreal. I think that's definitely great advice for anyone out there that, uh, I guess, wants a career in, in the scene or any other type of music for that matter. Just keep hustling. Yeah. Don't, don't take no for an answer. If one person says no, there's another person who will say yes. Awesome. Eventually. Exactly. So we've actually got a couple of segments that we want to get onto now. So the, the first one we've got is called Questions from the Outer. It's your turn. This is Questions from the Outer. So yeah, so I guess now we're just taking some questions from some of the fans out there. So this is Questions from the Outer. So Karina, do you want to take us away with our first question? For sure. So the first question we have is how do you get assigned new music tracks? slash remixes to work with what well, i don't like there's probably a few ways but the main way that's coming is it's either via direct label contact or via management yep. or artist management there's a few ways that can happen okay cool awesome so the next one we've got here um i think you kind of mentioned a few of these names before but um who is your biggest inspiration music wise uh, probably kygo man just just yep. a genius legend genius 
and yeah. Avicii, Avicii. Melodies wise, that dude yeah. is untouchable. Uh, oh, yeah. I know. Tragedy. My heart. <laughs> it just it gets, makes me emotional every any time we talk um, about him. Don't get me started. <laughs> so the next question is Marmite or Vegemite? Oh, Do you eat either? 100% Vegemite. 100% Vegemite. Oh, oh wow. you've gone Vegemite? Yeah, I've gone Vegemite. Wow. Oh, all, the, all the South Africans out there are going to be fuming. That, that's fine because Marmite's got nothing on Vegemite. Sorry. <laughs> uh, next one we got in here is what software do you use when you produce your music? Ableton Live and um, I've gone blank on the other one. Logic Pro. Sorry, haven't used it in a while. But yes, yeah. I use Logic and Ableton. And the last question here is, what would you say is the most important thing in a home studio? So what do you, what's a must have for you? Ooh, a home studio. I would probably say a really good pair of headphones. Yeah. Be- because trying to treat a room in a home studio setup is impossible. Well, not impossible, but like really hard and expensive. So a good pair of headphones and you should be okay. You have to pad the walls and stuff, don't you? It's a bit... You do, you do. But then you start dealing with like frequency issues and bass and... Oh, God. So you think, oh, yeah, this sounds good. And then you take the track elsewhere to the car and you're like, whoa, what's that sound? (laughs) Never (laughs) end. So I guess, yeah, the the last segment we have um, is what we like to call the rapid fire round. So basically, we're just going to ask you five questions. Uh, I guess the aim is, yeah, they're really quick, um, short, like they could be funny topics, whatever it may be. So it's okay. just, yeah, just whatever comes to your mind first. Cool. So first uh, first question, your favorite festival to play at? Uh, breakout. Awesome. So next one, what music do you listen to outside of your style? Pop, old old school 80s, Ooh. 70s, 80s. bit of 90s, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Everything. Uh, do you have any hidden talents? Uh, I can do a voice impression. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. All right. Well, all right. Now you've mentioned oh, it. Gosh. I know it's meant to be rapid. <laughs> I know it's meant to be rapid fire. But what have you got for us? <clears throat> Let's hear it. Oh god. <laughs> your best one. Give us one. At the moment, I tend to be doing uh, Peter Griffin's laugh a bit with my son. He seems to enjoy okay. it. I'm just like, that is incredible that's spot on oh that is amazing that is spot on i love it that's the best human talent well we won't Um, make you do any other the next the next question do you um have any superstitions or rituals when you before you get on the stage when you dj or whilst you're djing Mm, uh Probably so just some breathing exercises just before I go on to perform. That sort of like calms the nerves down and gets the, the twitchy legs uh, under control from nerves. Yeah, nice. yeah, that's yeah. about it. Like it. And then last one. What is the strangest request you've ever had from a gig? Either from a fan or a promoter or the club, whatever it may be. The strangest request. Uh, I think I was at a house or an EDM night and some girl standard came up to me and said, Do you have any hip hop? Yep. <laughs> And, yeah. <laughs> and, and your response was? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, yeah, nah, sorry, not tonight. Ask the next DJ. The next DJ. Yeah, that's, that's always the response, the yeah. next DJ. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Unfiltered.
So thanks again, Ryan, for coming on Unfiltered, the podcast. No we worries. really appreciate your time. For all our listeners, if you'd like to hear more of Ryan and his amazing music, you can follow him on Spotify, SoundCloud, and also subscribe to his YouTube channel where you'll find heaps of videos, including his latest track, Wrong. Thank you very much again, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks, guys. This is Unfiltered.